substance. I'm a man without substance. I am devoid of form or substance. I am just... Are you a vapor? I, I lack <laughs> tangible shape. I am... I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm mist. I am mist spread across a, a kind of dead landscape of skeletal trees and... Oh, my. <laughs> gray grass and, you know, things of that nature. Small piles of earth that might uh, indicate the presence of woodchucks or uh, groundhogs or, uh, you know, prairie dogs of some sort, but no sign of life, really, at this time. Just kind of the ever-present kind of uh, changing flux of, uh, you know, Existence. It's 9.04 a.m. Saturday, September the 18th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane. <laughs> that was not good, it, Bill. it turned to mist, you see. Everything I attempt in, in, along the realms of intelligent discourse this morning turns into mist. I was just upstairs trying to write, and it was all just turning to mist. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But uh, we move along <laughs> into whatever's next. Into the territory of woodchucks? Well, whatever. You know, little mounds of earth uh, on the gray grass below the mist. Yeah. That's what it's like sometimes, I guess. You just got to kind of roll with it, huh? Like, like we roll with everything else. <laughs> I like the microphone. Hey, hey, hey. Take it easy. Well, that'll be... That'll be an interesting piece of editing there. That, says, that hasn't happened before. Was there an earthquake? Was there some kind of a tectonic event? It was event? the earthquake of your elbow. <laughs> Was it my against elbow, really? The, yeah, against oh, the pillow. You watched it happen? I watched it happen. You just sat there and let well, it happen? What was I supposed to do? <laughs> well, as you may imagine, it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. Here's Diane to tell you all about it. <laughs> I'm going to be over here just kind of... Being a vapor. Being vaporous and, you know. You know. I had a very busy week at work, The but now comes well i was gonna say now comes the time where it's a lot less busy but in the next couple of weeks we're going to be have to having to verify thousands oh, of yeah. vaccination cards so i guess it's still going to remain busy for a little while and then it will not be as busy right but well, i have many questions about the whole that whole process that's going to be happening over the next couple of weeks but i don't think it's good bill and diane show fodder so it isn't i will isn't. save those questions for Another time. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to... Uh, but the the one thing that this has brought up in my mind is that there's always a crisis at work. There's just always. There isn't a time where things just go swimmingly and there's always some arising thing that is... Um, yeah pushing you and and that's the thing that makes me feel like yeah kind of <laughs> retirement might retirement, not be uh, yeah. is in my future because i'm kind of 
a little tired of the roller coaster ride now. But the great things about this week uh, really happened, well, on Tuesday night, you had uh, a Treehouse concert. Yes, I did. And you were in a great deal of pain that day. Um, But it was a very powerful concert nonetheless. Well, I feel like the... The best analgesic I have yet found for my current situation is that hour on Tuesday night. Because, um, you know, I'm hurting, but it's like it's not front of mind. Yeah. It's like the only hour wherein I, it, it doesn't kind of outshout whatever else is going on. Uh, although right now I don't feel that bad either. So, so the pain part may be, I don't want to jinx it by saying this, but it may be slowly ebbing away we still haven't found out why my left legs swelling up so there are we are still in the investigative phase i've had ct scans i've had ultrasound going for an mri on wednesday we'll see what happens further updates as they happen also great bill and diane show fodder you know, <laughs> you know how much i love i got myself a cup of coffee here and i'm going to take me a sip talking about my uh, bodily problems. Yeah, I am an angel. But that was a really lovely evening, and I think it was also because of the poems that you read that are you were saying were some of the greatest hits. Yeah. But I also think that they're just the poems that you read were. Um, they're sort of our powerful incantations, is what I want to say. Yeah, I would say that they have an incantatory quality to them. In that, they seem to encircle uh, a wide kind of panorama of emotion, you know, illustrative of the fact that you got to take the good with the bad. And you can't have one without the other. And, you know, if you want a full experience, you're going to get it kind of thing. So, and it, you know, it ties in with my health issues because... What I feel like, I was talking to uh, my sister about this. I talked to my mom about it. I talked to uh, the big guy, Alan, about it this week in our weekly calls, which I love. Um, You know, I'm recognizing that during this period of time when I'm having this difficulty with my health, I am probably living the most luxurious kind of life I could possibly wish for in that I have the bandwidth to to try and put into practice what I have learned over the last 10 years of being involved with the naturopath as my primary care doc, and that is I play an active role day in and day out in finding out not how to, how to make the pain go away, but finding out what's causing the pain and to go at the root problem rather than just cover it over with analgesic. And uh, I think that's... I feel very fortunate that I'm that I don't work a full time job, and so that I'm trying to juggle all of these different oh, things yeah. in my life with a limited amount of vitality, because I know that if I was still like working at the bus yard or something like that, and was having these kind of health issues, the health issues would not get addressed, yeah. because I just wouldn't have the energy to try and you know set up the appointments and arrange the things and go to the stuff and get the tests and you know it would just be um, so much more exhausting and exhausted. So I, I really feel like I am aware daily of how lucky I am 
and how happy my life is and what all the good stuff is that I've got going on. And it really does balance out better than it ever has before and kind of, you know, um, the, the pain or whatever discomfort that I might be having. So, and I think those, the poems I read were kind of illustrative of that, that there is beauty in the badness and that there is pleasure in the, in the being able to experience the full range of emotion, stuff like that. Weren't you going to talk? Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. Yes, I was. You. Because, you know, that seemed very misty to me. Ew, boy. Yeah, whole paragraph. That's good coffee. Uh, I had uh, conversations yesterday with my brother and with Nancy, who was my... Oh, yeah, you're... My beloved supervisor when I first started working in pharmacology, which was a long, long time ago. 21, 22 years, maybe? Well, it was I was there for twenty, I think twenty two years. Mm. So and uh, so it's been um, about maybe twenty six, twenty seven years since she hired me, and uh, many things went through my mind as I was talking to Nancy because. And you um, talked to Nancy for what, three hours? Yeah, I think it was three hours. <laughs> Well, if you had a visit with somebody, if you were sitting down to have tea with them, you would talk for three hours. Bingo. You know? Yeah. And that's what I feel like these conversations are, just a chance to to visit and enjoy each other's company. But I was thinking about how fortunate I was that she came along in my life. I always thought of Nancy as being almost like a Damon-like power, you know, that that uh, that fate that actually switches your life right. in some way. Right. And because she was the first supervisor that I had ever had in my life, I think, that was someone who would mentor me and someone who I truly admired. Most of my other supervisors to that point had been problematic in some weird way. Like I had... I had this one supervisor when I first started at the U who would just fly into fits of rage and she'd go through people's waste baskets to oh, yeah. see whether they were wasting paper and um and she was just oh she was really out there. And then I had another supervisor that uh that would crawl under her desk whenever she was under any sort of stress. Literally? Literally. Mm. Crawl under her desk and just sit there like... Uh, and she would never be <laughs> at, the, at the office and she would leave me all her work and then she would complain about the way I did her work. And so... Whee! Uh, and then after that, you know, I just had a series of not even just normal supervisors, but really subnormal. <laughs> so uh, I loved my jobs, though. Right. I always loved every job that I worked at at the U, and it was almost like I had to suffer through the supervisors I had. Right. And I had a I had a name for myself already, and so they couldn't do much damage to me. 
the the supervisors were just more um, annoying than anything. But I had decided that I wanted to make a little bit more money, and the only way you could do that at the university, because I loved my job in chemistry, working with the graduate students. I just loved that job. Right. But I really needed to make a little bit more money, and um, I saw this job opening at pharmacology. And so I decided to give it a try. It was going to be a supervisory job, which I'd never done before, and and yet it had the component of the graduate students. And I thought, wow, that's great. So the basic thing is that I didn't really care. I didn't have a lot of, oh, my God, I've got to get out of this job. But I wanted to make a little bit more money. So yeah. I felt like I'll see what happens with this. And went for the interview, not really caring if I would get the job or not, you know, wanting to, but not having that real, oh, I've got to get this job. Right. But when I interviewed with Nancy, I thought, oh, please let me have this job because I just fell in love with her from the moment I met her. What was it? Nancy is, um, it was the first interview that I had ever had, I think, where the person really seemed to be listening to me. Hmm. Um, and Nancy just has this countenance of, like she's listening to you with a, uh, with a sense of humor and, uh, and kindness and generosity. And just the way that she engaged with me was so natural. I felt like that when I was interviewing with her, it was such a natural conversation. And I had not had that in interviews before. And I could just tell by the way she was presenting the job and, and the way that I would get to work with her. I just thought, oh my gosh, I want to work with this woman. This would be such a, a, a wonderful experience for me I feel like from the moment I met her I had some sort of uh, knowledge of what we were going to be to each other so I went into the interview feeling pretty confident that I had the skills to do it but also knowing because at the university you really are competing the higher you get up you're competing with some pretty uh, powerful candidates Mm -hmm. And I knew that it would not just be a, a shoe-in. So I really was, after I got out of the interview, I thought, oh, please let me have an opportunity to work with this woman. And um, so I was so thrilled when she called me and, and told me that um, they wanted to hire me. And she served as a mentor to me in a way that no one ever had about everything in, in the work life. I felt like she um, was certainly was a in, an inspiration to me about how to be a supervisor because uh, I hadn't had many good examples of that and you can't really learn from the bad examples as much as you would like. I mean, you could say I don't want to ever do that to somebody, but really you need to have a good example in front of you to follow. And and she was such a wonderful example. I still remember as she was as she was walking down the hall, 
I would hear, uh, it was a fairly long haul that separated her office from mine. And there were offices in between. A lot of offices, probably maybe seven or so, mm. the uh, doorways. So I would hear her coming down the hall, and she always had a relationship with all of the labs. So I would hear her laughter coming down the hall. And I would be thinking, oh my gosh, Nancy's coming. That had never been my experience with supervisors before. My previous supervisors, I'd hear their key in the lock right next to my door because they usually were right next to me. And I'd, my, my heart would actually sink to my stomach. Oh, that person's here, you know? (laughs) So, um, to hear laughter as the 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 thing that is introducing that this person's coming down to your office was just marvelous and uh and I got the wonderful experience of of working with her for a fairly short time i uh I just was I still remember when she came in and told me that she was going to be retiring she was retiring really early and i when she she had asked me to stay after work to tell me this news and i i had thought it was going to be uh about some problem that was going on that uh, that we were trying to introduce to the faculty and the faculty were upset about something and i thought it was going to be about that right but it wasn't she wanted to tell me she was retiring and and I just remember looking at her and saying, I feel like I'm going to cry. And then I just started sobbing. And I said, I guess I am going to cry. <laughs> because I just felt like, oh my gosh, this one opportunity. But the funny thing is that because she had taught me so much within the time that I worked with her. How long did you work there together? I, th- I want to say only a couple of years. Yeah. But it was enough. Yeah. Uh, to really get down the patterns of how to do that. And I just felt like that mentoring experience educated my entire career. I carry, I always felt like I was kind of carrying forth her torch in the pharmacology department. And, and I was, when I was talking to her yesterday, I said, you know, the, the thing about re- when people retire who have a great deal of knowledge it's like this vacuum happens. They're just like it's sucking a lot out with that person. And it's really, I don't think you ever recover. I don't think the department ever recovered from her going away. Yeah, it you just, something It else. just becomes something else. Yeah. But uh, that was a really tough loss. And for me, um, I just was trying to bring it back up to what it had been when when she had been and then i had a series of supervisors again that well not uh, they weren't all bad but the but i had some um i until i had my job here at abc i did not have the same experience of having a wonderful supervisor mentor like supervisor somebody you could learn from yeah and so so that was going through my mind as i was talking to her but you know how important it is to have had this 
this turning point in your life, a, a crossroads where somebody, you met the right person at the right time, they launched you. Yeah. Because I don't think I was truly launched in my career at the university until I started working at pharmacology. I, I, I would, probably a lot of other people would say they, they would have thought of me as launched in chemistry. But I think that um, because I was just working with this one populace and uh, I didn't feel like I had as much knowledge. But I'm sure that everybody can think back to a time where somebody was the trigger of their, of what they thought was a successful journey. And I think that uh, you're really fortunate if you have that. And that if you can identify those people who got you where you where you wanted to go. Yeah. Ken Dodge. Ken Dodge was that I guy for was me. thinking about that when I was saying that. I thought for you it's Ken Dodge. Yeah. Just not be not and probably not for the same reasons that Nancy was an influence on you. I think Ken was I mean, we were working at JK Gill and the thing I liked about Ken as the manager of that store was that he took the job only as seriously as he needed to, you know. He was a guy who was in his early 30s and had two young children, mortgage, wife who worked, was a professional, and uh, he was doing a job. And one of the things that he did for me was he allowed me the freedom to pursue music. I think I quit J.K. Gill twice while I was working for Ken, and he always took me back. He always knew why I was quitting. He knew I was kind of, you know, stepping off a ledge and of a sort, and he was always, you know, well, if you need to come back, you know, just come and talk to me, that kind of thing. And eventually I was working in the stock room, and he gave me a set of keys to the building and said, just, you know what needs to be done by when. Set your own hours. You know, as long as the work is done as long as the product is tagged and checked in and ready to go out on the sales floor when it's supposed to. I don't care when you work, you know. I'll pay you for eight hours a day and, you know, I assume that, you know, trust you to take care of things. And it was just a, it was just like an ideal situation. And he was a trusting soul, somebody who, when you were talking to him, he was with you. He wasn't waiting for a certain set of words to come out of your mouth that would tell you, tell, that would deliver a message. He was just engaged in the moment. And, I, you know, I, when you were talking about Nancy that way, the way she was present, that's what I remember about Ken, is that when I was talking to Ken, he was always, he wasn't thinking 12 steps down the road and to where he had that kind of halfway attentive look in his eye that you run into so often in jobs. Yeah. That sense that, yeah, um, uh, half of this person's listening to me, half of them is working on the agenda that has to be addressed. You know, and you don't you can't really blame them for that, but still you miss the the quality of attention, you know. So when somebody actually gives you that, you feel like, well there's something to learn here. And what I learned from Ken was a sense of perspective about that kind of job. Don't let it occupy more of your mental space than it deserves, right? Uh, he really seemed to have that dialed in. And I remember going to, to district uh, supervisor meetings with him and doing 
resets in stores because we were, you know, we went to a bunch of different stores. They would do these resets where they would take all the shelving down, rearrange the store, put it all back up again and have to load. You know, when you're talking about J.K. Gill, you had a book department, you had a gift department, you had an art supply department, and you had an office supply department. So there were a lot of little bins with pencils and, you know, just little things. And so all these little glass... Div- yeah, all these little glass <laughs> dividers dividing all these little bins with all the different Prismacolor colored pencils dispensed, you know, laid out. And, you know, just, it was just endless. And we would just walk in. Well, I remember we went to Bremerton and we did a reset at the Bremerton store. Ken Bob and I and Kip Wheeler did this and it was just like we were just working a couple of days we got to stay in a motel or something like that and tearing a store down and putting it back together again and it was just kind of like one thing after another the other thing that that really impressed me about nancy is that she was the first supervisor that i had that worked harder than me i mean i i think that so many supervisors they get to that point and they feel like, well, now I've got the staff and I don't have to work as hard as they do. You know, it's, and uh, she was always working harder than me and everybody in the, in the staff. And, but, but she always took the time to talk to me too. I mean, we had very busy demanding jobs and yet we got to know each other and I, just loved her and didn't ever want to lose contact with her and never have. We we don't talk as frequently as I would like, but... Um, you just fall back into this. Fall back into the same yeah. thing. And we had so many of the same interests, too. She she had also wanted to be a librarian when she was young. Mm-hmm. She, had, uh, she loved children's literature like I did, and... Um, and one of the things that I have identified about all my closest friends is that they have a, a series of qualities that I just love. And those qualities are, they're all great storytellers. You know, that they, they not only tell you about an incident in, your, in their lives, but it's a story the way that they tell it, mm-hmm. you know. They all have a flair for words. They all have a great sense of humor and make me laugh. And uh, I should say you all, because you are in this category too, of course. And they all have uh, an idea of life as bigger than just the mundane, you know. So whenever I'm in conversation with my friends, I always am overwhelmed with gratitude that I have these sorts of friends, you know, that I'm having these sorts of conversations and that I can listen to a story and I can learn so much. And, but, uh, but the other thing that was, was in my mind as I was talking to her is that after my mom was having issues with dementia there was a period of time that I remember very specifically thinking that all my life I had had an older woman to pass down wisdom to me in the form of my mom 
you know, I, I asked my mom for advice all the time and, and uh, wanted to know her opinions and all that. And, and when she kind of got lost into the fog, I remember thinking, I can't talk to my mother anymore about this. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was, I was very distraught because I had always had an older female that I could talk to. Right. And I, I basically thought I've got to create that in my life and still have those people. Because at some point, you are the end of the line. But you always can find somebody right now who's a little ahead of you and can be that person that uh, can share their wisdom with you. And I'm very fortunate to have several people in that category. So um, so those, that was what happened from that conversation. I just remembering a lifetime of my own working style and and uh, and it's interesting to be having that at this time of my life because you really are sort of looking back on your your work life and uh, and thinking about both the importance and unimportance yeah. of it right. you know that while you're in the fray <laughs> it's important but the the closer you get to stepping out of the fray, you think, well, it wasn't as important as I really made it out to be. Although it was always important for survival, for the the things that you learned during that time. And it was important because of the uh, energy that you committed to it yeah. over the years, too. Because I know for you and for me, I think, and for a lot of people, your job is where the bulk of your vitality is spent yeah that's right and uh so it's important in that regard but you know i've always had jobs that are bureaucratic you know the there's a lot of bureaucracy but i've always thought that if you could deal with the bureaucracy in such a way that you were helping people i still remember um (laughs) <laughs> one of the graduate students when I was in chemistry, I still remember him saying that he thought of me as the buffer to the bureaucracy. And I just love that. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're kind of you're kind of the shield to keep people from suffering the the uh, woes of red tape. But um, and I can see without, when you're dealing with students, I can see how that would be very gratifying to be able to kind of shepherd, be a kind of a shepherd for the yeah well but for everybody i mean when i'm teaching somebody how to do a complex technological thing in our new system um i don't really care if it's a student or a staff member or i just want to be able to help and that makes me feel good but otherwise you could just see yourself as almost a pencil pusher you know and so i cog in the wheel yeah but i never really thought about my jobs that way and i really i have been so grateful for everything that i have had in the career i never thought i'd i'd achieve so much i never expected that and so it's kind of a celebratory time in my life to think about all these things and think about how far I came in my growth. And, and quite frankly, you know, when I think about, for example, my, 
when I was first working with Nancy that I still had quite a ways to go in developing my strength in in uh, talking to the faculty in a in a way that would be powerful and yet not uh, offensive. There's a lot of balancing that you have to learn and those skills diplomacy. yeah those the skills of diplomacy actually helped me throughout my entire career that I developed back then yeah. so such a treat so it was a real treat to talk to her yesterday and gather a little bit more of her wisdom into my into my head and we have weather we have weather down. We do have weather, although right now there's a little bit of a sunbreak. But when mm-hmm. we first woke up, we were having the the rain that they had been talking about. And it was going when we went to bed last night too. Yeah, it was yeah, it was just kicking in. So it's good to feel some moisture on the ground around us. And, and that was in the what air. what uh, was the determinant of what I wanted to have us today's music because oh my gosh I'm so grateful for the rain return I've there's something that's almost objectionable in the northwest if there isn't rain for a while it's it's disturbing on a very deep level and so seeing the rain really speaking of gratitude made me just so grateful again to to be back in the northwest that's that's what i was thinking we're back in the northwest i love the way that the rain sounds on the rooftop over my head like little animal The way the clouds come down so low sometimes I seem to prowl around the alleyways And get into the side streets And all the world goes soft And the hard lines disappear And the echo of the footsteps Is music in your ear And the sing-song river runs All along that little crack I've been all around the world I keep coming back And now the big boats come to the dock side They tie off and unload And they stay a little while You got a bright light Saturday Liberty night You gotta do it up right You gotta do it in style Maybe hear a little music can I have this next dance? Maybe fall in love if I get half a chance. But somebody like you, yeah, imagine that. I've been all around the world, baby.
the first time I rode the bus to pick me up hitchhiking. Took me clear across town. I said, I ain't got no money, so that's all right, friends. Just get on board and lay your burden down. He said, where you going? I said, I ain't got that part figured out yet. Life is so uncertain. Yeah, and the future is not set. I'll let you know when we get there, though. That's a fact. I've been all around the world, babe. I keep coming back. I rode that Fremont Bridge so high one time I could have scratched old Mr. Moon right in the chin. Saw that water in the canal down there below and I thought to myself, I'm gonna dive right in. Yeah, but I'm too young to go that way and I ain't ready yet. I don't mind falling that far, I just don't wanna get that wet. It's a carnival of circumstance. You have to have a knack. I've been all around the world, baby. I keep coming back and sheets from the bed Just before we cover the doors Soak them all down good and wet Cover the windows too So the worst of the dust won't get through They'll dry hard and black Be washed and put back but there isn't much more we can do And it wasn't the same in Michigan Though we left there when I was just five I tell all the kids of four, five, and six Of what they've never seen in their lives The coming down Fill swimming holes deep It sings it asleep And it keeps all the dirt on the ground I have my own ground to sow It's 
next to the house dug in low my father said that's your flower bed if you can make anything grow and inside one corner is mine i mark off the floor with a line i wipe down the walls as high as i'm tall then talk to the kids one more time well sam thinks you might end up drowning and jane says it could pound you flat like buckets poured down from miles around but i tell him it's nothing like that just rain coming down soft as a dream sometimes for hours drenching the flowers and washing everything clean every week someone else gone every week we pass a farm with all their possessions all out for auction on what had once been the lawn and the dust can ride on a sunbeam it piggybacks on every breeze it's lighter than thought but it crushes the crops and it fills the air that we breathe well maybe i'll tell opened up real wide at the tall tales I told about rain stand under it as it comes down with your head tilted up your eyes squinted shut Tasting the drops on your tongue